It had been a silent night in the neat little town, and now it was a reticent morning. The petrol station forecourt was blazing white in the pitch darkness of 6am. The lights above Caitlin's head showered her in halogen, flooding her chunky bubble hat in artificial light. She filled her tank to the brim. The gargoyle of the man behind the glass was eating a galaxy ripple whilst watching her fill the windscreen washer fluid until it spilled the blue liquid on her engine. She never knew if this was safe or not. She hadn't seen anyone other than those two lads staggering back in the road. Not a soul. The sky went from royal blue through to a pale ghostly blue before it bled into a striking crimson. The town was empty and static. Santa had long gone. The icy lanes bent her little red car around its corners and cradled her across the pathways. When the sun rose, she usually strayed from the arteries into the veins and capillaries of the town, but this year, the surrounding villages were bathed in ice, so she felt she would keep one toe in the A-road. The ice had all the colourings of snow, but it was more delicate and more deadly. It had the look of a bathroom frosted glass. Without the sun, there was an air of crispness, a mould of stillness. It crackled and mottled. The tips of the hedges were so white, they became like the centre of a gas flame. Every year, Caitlin drove on Christmas Day. From the moment she awoke, which was usually before sunrise, to the very end, usually around nine, she was on the road, with a flask, a Tupperware, blankets, biscuits, radio two, and no plan other than just to keep driving. She had a rough direction of travel, but she would just see where the road took her. She made occasional sudden turns down lanes, went towards towns that she'd not been to for ages, and then double-backed on herself and intentionally got lost. It was meandering at its finest. A way of being in the world, as well as being nowhere at all. Like a dripping tap in the night. Caitlin felt the roads were hers. The orange streetlights striped across the interior of her car as she looked both in her rearview mirror and then spun around to check again. This wasn't right. There was a rabbit off here, as her mum sometimes used to say. She pulled left into an industrial estate that looked like it made the scoop section at the front of JCB's. She drove back on herself and paused for a moment before taking the road back to where she'd just been. The girl was wearing a crop top, or some might call it a boob tube back in the day. It was sparkly and had sequins in the colours of typical mermaid's fins. She wore a tiny denim jacket that exposed a flat tummy so flat 
it was concave. Caitlin was worried. She looked no more than 20. Her car temperature now said it was 2 degrees outside. Her passenger side window went down. Are you okay? said Caitlin. The girl's hair hung over her shoulder, but half of it was tied up at the back. She was extremely pretty, like a moisturiser model or a porcelain doll. The blue glow of her eyes were alert knives. They were direct, and they stared right into Caitlin's face without a reply. Caitlin shifted in her seat to be more in line with her and show more willingness to help. Are you okay, darling? She said, more softly. The girl shook her head, slowly, and kept on shaking it, over and over again. This was both disconcerting and strange. She turned her car engine off. There's not going to be any buses or taxis, you know, not on Christmas Day. Can I drive you somewhere? She smiled to try and seem as normal and as kind as possible. The girl stood and opened the door. She landed on the passenger seat with hardly a sound. She was so dainty. It was like a piece of paper had just entered the car. You must be freezing. Right, where can I take you? The Ashburn Estate. Do you know it? Her voice was like a teenager's. Caitlin nodded. It was about ten minutes' drive. The girl rested the side of her head back on the headrest and stared right through Caitlin and out the other side. Her long neck was like melted candle wax and it nuzzled into the soft material of the car. Right, pop your seatbelt on then and I'll blast us out some heat. They drove onwards. A lorry buffeted past them, moving the car to one side in the force. She flicked the heater dial from four to five and caught the girl's eyes with a little smile. The girl stared at Caitlin like she was a cat. She was handsome as well as pretty, androgynous, almost reptilian. Her fingers were like piano hammers as they slowly tapped at the denim material on her thighs. Caitlin spotted a tiny heart tattoo that said Liam on the edge of her left wrist. It looked like she could have done it with a biro during school. Then she noticed red marks, like scratches around the tattoo, as though she'd been trying to scratch it off with her nails, or perhaps an unfolded paperclip. It was amateurish, fairly recent too by the looks. There was rolled skin in the grooves of the redness around it. Suddenly the girl's face was illuminated in her phone screen that she'd pulled from her side pocket. The light almost made her skin look translucent. She typed, I've done it. Come into yours. Now. Caitlin could read her text over her shoulder without being seen. The long straight road ahead allowed Caitlin to take stock and to imagine. They drove a little slower now. The sun's edges were skulking in the sky, making the shapes of gold against the backdrop of indigo. Caitlin had promised herself while they were driving to the Ashburn that she wasn't going to pry. But she felt she needed to see if this girl was safe. 
She tried to ask her questions about whether she went to school round here. She even mentioned a couple of names that she might have known from the Ashburn. The girl just gave one-word answers or shook her head, so Caitlin left it. She stopped the car where the girl pointed. Her little corner shop was open for some reason, and she said she needed to get something in there. Caitlin took off her seatbelt and twisted in her seat. Look, I know you don't know me, but is there any way I might be able to help you out? She tried to make this sound as non-threatening as she could. The girl buttoned up her denim jacket for the first time, all the way to the neck. And then she popped out her seatbelt. Nah, I'm all good now. Cheers for the lift. Then she jumped out and slammed the door. Caitlin was left stunned. A shiver of icy air hit her left cheek. She didn't want to drive away just yet. Then Caitlin checked her mobile. She had a text from Charlie saying, I've been up since seven making a square foot of cauliflower cheese. Come and help me eat it, please. She turned the engine on and then looked around for this girl. But she'd vanished. The queen of the land had vanished. Come in, mate, but I'm really paranoid my house stings. Charlie hugged her in the hallway and Caitlin laughed as she accidentally trod on the head of a naughty elf on the doormat. Charlie tutted and kicked the elf out the door into the garden, berating nostalgia in the era of guilt-tripping kids. I hate that thing. The house was fuzzy, and as well as the background of bum smell, there was so much unexpected sage in the air. The standard roasted vegetables and stagnating gravy was in the air too, but then there were top notes of cauliflower. Caitlin was in no doubt Charlie had done something remarkable with this vegetable, but even she couldn't shake off his sulfuric cologne. You know those programmes like Christmas at Hever Castle? Charlie asked, as Caitlin hung her coat and scarf on the avalanche of coats at the Newell Post. Well, Ben Fogel was on one just there, at a stately home somewhere, and he actually said, what says Christmas other than 12 men in high-vis erecting a 12-foot Norwegian native? He's filthy. How do you get away with that? I think he's one step from a cameo on Call the Midwife, that one, said Caitlin, as she admired the homemade advent calendar on the wall. Right, well, we're not going to be watching that shite here, you know, said Charlie. Caitlin pretended to look a bit disappointed, which she was, deep down. Bob Dylan's Christmas album was on in the kitchen, amidst a lot of washing up. This was an excessive amount just for her and Peter, Caitlin thought. Charlie didn't even ask whether Caitlin wanted a snowball. She'd already poured it and was grating nutmeg whilst pushing a bowl of maple and bacon pretzels her way. Caitlin slowly dipped a finger in the frothy drink. She heard a very faint sound of a computer game of some sort. Some sword slashing noises and magical whizzes and assumed it was Peter with a new present. Charlie said she was letting him have some time to himself having exhausted him with a board game called Fungi, which was a trading game about mushrooms, 
followed by a few rounds of Uno and some cold nut roast rolls. Who won then? Don't, please. We don't talk about Uno. Into the living room in single file and they took a seat on the floor in front of the gas-burning stove. Charlie slid out the cauliflower cheese enamel baking tray from under the sofa and pulled two new forks from her pockets like a cowboy. Caitlin hadn't shared food with anyone like this before. There'd been a few moments when she'd felt frightened by Charlie. She'd opened something up in her life. And as she moved to the second half of her thirties, it felt like something had changed. The air outside became milky in the twenty minutes before it went dark. Four o'clock on Christmas Day. The two women chiselled at the cauliflower like they were digging up peat. Caitlin knew if Charlie was telling the truth about using two entire heads of garlic, then she'd be explosive by nine. The day drifted, like old wood on the waves. It ebbed from conversation about how Peter might approach Key Stage 4 to what Bryony might have been up to today. They were both very worried about her. They had the first instalment of EastEnders on mute, listening to George Michael's sad ones and eating some orange matchmakers. Then a faint creak of the staircase made them both look up at the door. Caitlin sat up a bit more. The sniffs and gasps of breath could be heard from the hallway, and Charlie immediately knew. Peter came bounding in the door and fell onto the floor and into his mum's arms. He looked delicate and gangly in Charlie's embrace. He was 13, but he looked three at that point. His crying increased when she rubbed his back. Caitlin started backing away from them and heading up to the furthest seat on the sofa to give them some space. Charlie hadn't even asked what was wrong, nor had Peter said anything. It must be something age-old and familiar on a day like today. Caitlin mouthed she was going to give them a few minutes, and Charlie mouthed back thank you. In the kitchen she soaked a few big tins, jammed remnants into the Tupperwares and cling film bowls. She did some dishwasher loading, wiped some surfaces and crushed a few cans. The house felt ready for bed. The inhabitants were ready to be left alone. Caitlin was ready for a dressing gown, back at home. She gave Charlie a slow wave from the door as she was stroking Peter's hair on her lap, feeding him the last of the matchmakers. Charlie made the heart shape and mouthed, Merry Christmas. The world outside was more peaty than before. Caitlin rescued the elf from the driveway and popped him on the radiator back in the hallway. He looked like Stephen Mulhern. She buttoned herself up and caught the eye of the man opposite taking his bin out in his slippers and t-shirt. He grimaced at the world. He was emerging from a celebration rapper chrysalis probably. It was only about a 20 minute walk back to her cottage but Caitlin was grateful for the one-two pace. She needed to stretch her legs. Glowing lights behind curtains guided her towards the wreck, where a couple of dog walkers looked like they were sharing a beer. The reverential old Victorian terraces looked like where Alfie and Annie Rose lived, with their harassed-looking mum. White lights on the trees, exhibited in windows, with the social confidence to place a nursery-made toilet roll centre at the top, 
with no need to exhibit a next home star. Her cottage looked sleepy and dark. She might have a big Bristol cream before bed on a sofa. Some of those Pembrokeshire bronze roast turkey crisps she was curious about. There was always a chance she'd fall asleep in her living room. There was certainly a chance to call the midwife would be on. <laughs> 